0: ON THIS WEEK'S EDITION OF NEW YORK NOW, WE'VE MOVED INTO THE NEXT PHASE IN THIS YEAR'S RACE FOR GOVERNOR AFTER TUESDAY'S PRIMARY ELECTIONS. WE WERE THERE IN MANHATTAN AND ON LONG ISLAND TO WATCH IT ALL HAPPEN. WE'LL TAKE YOU THERE. AND THE STATE LEGISLATURE RESPONDS TO THE SUPREME COURT DECISION THAT STRUCK DOWN NEW YORK'S CONCEALED CARRY LAW. MORE ON ALL THAT WITH KAREN DEWITT OF NEW YORK STATE PUBLIC RADIO AND MIKE GORMLEY FROM NEWSDAY. AND LATER, NEW YORK REACTS TO THE REVERSAL OF ROE VERSUS WADE. Plus a new edition of On the Bill. I'm Casey Seiler, and this is New York Now.
1: Today, the Senate majority
2: will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day. Like I've always done
1: and
3: always will.
0: Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Casey Seiler, editor-in-chief of the Times Union, in for Dan Clark. New York's first primary election of summer 2022 is now behind us, and we are full steam ahead for the general election. It was a day of firsts. It was the first time that either major party in New York voted to pick a woman as their nominee for governor. That, of course, was Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat who's running for a full term after taking office last August. It was also the first time that voters have picked someone with Afro-Latino roots as a nominee for Lieutenant Governor. That's new Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado, also a Democrat, who will now run with Hochul in the general election. And on the other side of the aisle, we also have an historic ticket this year. Congressman Lee Zeldin would be the first governor from Long Island in more than a century if elected, and his running mate, Alison Esposito, is the first member of the LGBTQ community to be nominated statewide. And now the two pairs will face off in the general election in November. But first, we were with both campaigns on the big night Tuesday as the results trickled in. Dan Clark reports.
4: The field is now set in this year's race for governor. Democrats and Republicans went to the polls this week to pick their nominees in that race. And after a very competitive last few months, both parties now have a ticket for November. Governor Kathy Hochul beat off a challenge from two other Democrats for the party's nomination.
2: Are you with me? Because I'm with all of you. Let's do this together.
4: She rallied with supporters Tuesday night in New York City. Leading up to the big day, it was Hochul's race to lose and she came through with two-thirds of the vote. She had a challenge for the nomination from two other Democrats. Both New York City public advocate jamani Williams, a progressive, and Congressman Tom Swazi, a moderate, got less than a quarter of the vote each. Hochul told supporters Tuesday that she's the strongest pick for November.
2: Are we going to move New York forward? Or are we going to let the far-right extremists drag our state backwards? You tell me, I know the answer.
4: It's been both a long and a short road for Hochul. She became governor last August after former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned over claims of sexual misconduct. Before that, Hochul was Cuomo's LG for seven years. And before that, Hochul served a term in Congress, spent four years as the Erie County Clerk, and was a town board member in her hometown of Hamburg. Now, she has her sights set on a full term as the first woman elected governor in New York.
2: I stand on the shoulders of generations of women, generations of women, who constantly had a bang up against that glass ceiling. To the women of New York, this one's for you.
4: And joining her on the ticket will be Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado, who won his own primary Tuesday with more than half the vote. Ana Maria Archila, a progressive activist, and former New York City Council member Diana Reyna, a moderate each received less than a quarter of the vote. Delgado had just joined the race last month after Hochul's previous pick for LG was indicted on federal corruption charges. Before that, he served in Congress for three years and said Tuesday that's prepared him for this moment.
3: We need real leaders at a time like this. We need public servants, those who humble themselves before the people and actually care about the people.
4: Both Hochul and Delgado will now spend the next four months on the campaign trail in what could be a competitive election. Republicans think they've got their best shot at winning the race for governor this year in two decades. And they're banking on Congressman Lee Zeldin to win. He won the party's nomination Tuesday, getting more than 40 percent of the vote.
0: This is a rescue mission to save our state, and losing is not an option. Zeldin was
4: up against three challengers heading into the primary. Andrew Giuliani, the son of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, came closest to beating him with close to a quarter of the vote. Former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino and businessman Harry Wilson each got less than 20%. Zeldin rallied with supporters Tuesday on Long Island after the big win.
5: This isn't just a red wave.
0: This is a a common sense wave. It's a common sense wave that reaches out to everybody across this state, in all counties, in all regions.
4: Zeldin's nomination didn't come as a surprise. He was voted as the party's favorite at the state Republican convention in February. He's been in Congress since 2015, and before that, served two terms in the state Senate. And he has a background in the military. He's promising New Yorkers a new direction under Republican leadership.
0: We are coming for our state and our state's future because losing this race for us is not an option. Winning this race and firing Kathy Hochul is the only option in order to restore New York to glory.
4: He'll now go head-to-head with Hochul in this year's general election. That's scheduled for Tuesday, November 8th.
0: There was no Republican primary for Lieutenant Governor. As we said, that nomination will go to NYPD veteran Allison Esposito, who Zeldin picked as his preferred running mate earlier this year. So it'll be a very busy next few months as the race for governor heats up. In the meantime, lawmakers returned to Albany this week to approve new gun laws after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the state's concealed carry rules last week. There will now be some new requirements to get a concealed carry license in New York. Applicants will have to go through new gun training and get an extended background check. Businesses will also have to opt in if they want to allow guns on their property. And guns will be banned in certain, quote, sensitive areas. Those are public places like schools, government buildings, and mass transit. Governor Hochul told reporters this week that the new law was written to withstand another lawsuit.
2: We know we have to make sure this is constitutional. We get that. We're not looking to go back into court, but we also know that we have more powers than people may realize, that we're going to uh, institute those to make sure New Yorkers are safe.
0: And elect- All right. We are now at the reporters' roundtable for more analysis of this week's news. And I'm happy to be joined after a long break by mm-hmm. my colleagues and friends Karen DeWitt from New York State Public Radio. And Mike Gormley from Newsday. It's great to see you guys. Great to you. have
2: you back for your guest appearance. No. Thank
0: you. I thought I was out. They pulled me back in. Uh, <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, examine some highlights from primary night. First, sticking with the Democratic side, Kathy Hochul, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, eight months ago, everybody thought this was going to be a barn burner of a Tish James versus Kathy Hochul battle. She cruised.
2: Yeah, she really blew away her opponents, uh, Jamani Williams on the left, Tom Swazi, who was more moderate to a right Democrat, and uh, mostly uh, cruised through the final weeks on two issues, abortion rights and gun safety, that became big national issues. She spent a lot of money, at, a lot of money that she has in her campaign, running ads on those mm-hmm. two issues, and more importantly, she actually got the legislature to do something on both of those issues, and they are still working on those two issues as we speak. So mm-hmm. that really helped her. It's things that Democrats care about. I also think it was pretty low turnout election. And so I think like the party faithful that came out that were dedicated to Holkle came out and maybe some opposition to her did not, did not come out in the same numbers that they have in the past.
5: And I think critically, below the top numbers, there was a, there's a great story there. Um, If you remember over the last few years, the Democrats have had this internal fight, progressives push, pulling away, challenging, you know, in primaries, the established Democrats. Uh, The established Democrats won almost every head-to-head competition this time. And that shows a lot of things. I talked to a lot of people about this, Newsday's having a story this weekend on it. But it shows that the Democrats, either the voters or the leaders, but probably the voters, came together. And probably a lot of it was the Supreme Court decisions. It was the January 6th Commission hearings that are scary. Um, it, all these other issues that are coming together. And Democrats said, wait a minute, should we, as Jay Jacobs, the state chairman, Democratic chairman, said, you know, it's time to end the squabbling. We got to get together because they've got a real threat or they could have a real threat from the, the Republicans.
0: Well, in- intriguingly, Kathy Hochul on primary night after the returns were in, said she uh, she thanked Jamani Williams, who was, of course, as, mm-hmm. as noted, her progressive opponent. Didn't say much at all about Tom Swazi when, when prompted after she said, well, I look forward to working with Williams. And somebody said, are you looking forward to working with Tom Swazi? And she said, well, he's not going to be in office.
2: Well, for a while, he was calling her the interim governor. And I think that kind of got her Back up with that so she doesn't have a good relationship. And she's also practical. She's got to work with Jamani Williams, so why antagonize them? And and also, you know, Hochul's not a polarizing figure the way her predecessor Andrew Cuomo was. She didn't go around saying antagonistic things about the left or progressives or that she was the real progressive and they weren't, as Andrew Cuomo used to say. So I think that people didn't go out to vote against her so that vote didn't happen
0: so turning to the Republican side another uh, cruise although perhaps a little bit bumpier by Lee Zeldin who uh, stiff-armed a a fairly energetic challenge from Andrew Giuliani yeah Yeah, early
2: in the night I thought Andrew Giuliani might win because he was ahead and he had more name recognition Mm -hmm. but Lee Zeldin pulled it off and again the party faithful came out and voted for him and now he is the the candidate to run against Hokel. and it's mm-hmm. interesting how they both came out of the box, trying to paint each other as extremists.
5: Yeah. Very, very strong on Long Island. Uh, yes, I see one Long Island, one Long Island big. Um, the and he's from Long Island. Um, the concern is where does he go from here? Um, Democrats have a better than two to one enrollment advantage, um, and mostly are left leaning Democrats. Um, and uh, Lee Zeldin, the congressman from Shirley in Long Island. Um, Was very close to Trump, voted, refused to certify the election loss by Trump to Biden. There's an awful lot there that Democrats are going to jump on.
2: I also think his stance against abortion rights is really going to hurt him this year. Maybe in a different year where Roe v. Wade wasn't overturned. Some voters might overlook that in favor of, yeah, we want less taxes. You know, we're tired of inflation. You know, we want the economy to be better. But I think that's going to be a big hurdle for him to get over. And you know that Hochul is going to really bring that out she has more money than him she can define him on this issue in a way that he can't because he doesn't have as much money and he's not as well known so i think that's a really big stumbling block Uh, you know and also that democrats have a two to one enrollment advantage you know it's it's quite a quite uh, a road i
5: would say karen brings up a very good point here um the republicans are going to try to make this about rising crime inflation gas prices um that might not look good in june But if that's still the case, come November, there's a history of voters going into polls saying, I'm voting on what matters to me. Um, That's what the Republicans are counting on. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens between now and then. It's worth noting that just in terms of raw numbers, votes for Zeldin trailed votes
0: for Hochul uh, about three to one. In, in other words, Hochul got, I think, just under 600,000. Mm-hmm. Zeldin, I think, around one, 180, thereabouts. Yeah, to the point
2: and of that, there being more Democrats exactly. than Republicans in the state. And that's only, you know, that gap has only widened over time. Yeah. And
5: keep in mind, too, though, the the, the the wild card in this is that Republicans are no longer the second largest bunch of voters in the state. They're third. There's the Democrats, and then there's independent, unenrolled voters. So that's that's the sweet spot. That's where they're both are going to try to get.
0: Okay, under the heading of what have you done for me lately, Mm -hmm. Uh, An extraordinary session was called on Thursday. Now, I preface this by saying we are talking just before 9 a.m. on Friday morning. Uh, So far, the legislature has gotten, I believe, nothing done, although they stayed up very late doing it. They're coming back in today, the Senate in the morning, the Assembly in the afternoon, to address guns and abortion
2: well they do have the bills ready on fixing the state's conceal carry laws after the u.s supreme court struck down new york's 100 year old laws that placed restrictions on carrying a concealed weapon so that came through around 3:30 in the morning the bill language at least came out to reporters and and the public. I'm sure that people were awake and waiting with bated breath to see that at (laughs) 3.30 in the morning. And um, it looks like probably later Friday they will pass that. If the language is there that means it's done. But a constitutional amendment enshrining abortion rights was not done as a Friday morning, though the governor called it the additional special session for 2 p.m. on Friday. So I think with the holiday weekend approaching that's going to be incentive for them to give up their differences over the language, and just get it done today.
5: And the bigger picture here is we've got monumental forces, right? We've got the U.S. Supreme Court saying, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. We've got the state legislature and Governor Hochul saying, so you say we can't do that, we're going to come back and have a concealed carry permit law for handguns that's going to be even more restrictive. Um, so they're trying to really take advantage of the situation. This idea of having these, um, these sensitive areas where there would be no guns allowed, that's a long list. That wasn't there before, but it's going to be in this bill. Um, there's a lot of things that the legislature and Governor Hochul are trying to get into this bill. And the, down, the potential downside is that that could be ruled unconstitutional as well, but they're giving it a good shot. That's why it's taking it so long. It kind of
2: ends up being an opportunity for them in right. disguise because it's actually going to be a lot harder to get one of these permits right. than it was under the 100-year-old law. Yeah.
0: It's worth noting that uh, if the resolution for a constitutional amendment on abortion it needs to be passed, this year, before the end of summer, really, and then it would need to be passed by the next legislature, the one that will start in January, and then in November of 2023, conceivably, it could go before voters in the general.
2: Right, and if they hadn't uh, done this, it would be not until 2025 that it could go before voters. Right. And they, were, they tried to do it at the end of the session earlier in June and failed, so there's been pressure to come back and come through on that.
5: And the pressure is partially, of course, this is election year. For the legislature, for the for the governor, um, this is a terrific talking point for Democrats to have. And remember, the, the way this is framed is not abortion is just a right. It's it's framed under you can't discriminate against people because they had abortions. So it's a it, it, it's a good talking point for the okay. Democrats.
2: Or a pregnant person can't Correct. be di- can't be discriminated against. But it's hard to write. I mean, that has been, mm-hmm. in fairness to them, been a holdup. Like, how do you put that in mm-hmm. the Constitution?
0: Speaking of, mm. of hard to write, the Supreme mm. Court is not done making our lives interesting. Mm-hmm. They on uh, on Thursday, the last day that they issued anything, they said that in uh, their next term, the justices will hear the appeals of Louis Simonelli, Buffalo developer caught up in the Buffalo Billion scandal, and. Joe Percoco, the former executive deputy secretary to uh, the former governor, mm-hmm. um, uh, looking at points of the honest services law or the honest services statute in Percoco's case and a uh, 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 rather arcane, I won't even begin to describe it, point of, of wire fraud law in uh, the case of Louis Simonelli and Alan Calieros of SUNY Polytechnic. Well, so. the
2: honest services law applies if you're an employee of state government. And is now arguing that he wasn't an employee of state government because when he was stealing all that money, he was running Andrew Cuomo's reelection Take, campaign. Please,
0: taking bribes, Karen. There's right, a difference. He allegedly
2: was taking taking yeah. the money. Right, so that's so that's what they're arguing on, which is kind of clever, I guess. <laughs>
5: it's it's a very important um, these these are actually important cases, but they are arcane. Um, uh, the Honest Services laws, you guys both know, has been revised several times because it's a corruption standard. Yeah. Um, so this will be interesting to watch. All right. Well, that's where we have to leave it.
0: Thanks very much. It's so good to see you both. Hope you got some sleep last night. Hope you have a busy Friday. Karen DeWitt of New York State Public Radio and Mike Gormley of Newsday. And coming back now to the state capitol for a new edition of On the Bill. That's where we tell about a bill out of Albany that you might not hear about otherwise. This week we're talking about S8922, also called the Warehouse Worker Protection Act. The bill would set new protections for workers in warehouses against conditions created by quotas. Right now, big-box companies like Amazon can set strict quotas and use algorithms to measure performance. But the problem is that, some workers say, to meet those quotas, they have to skip breaks and work harder or risk getting fired. And that's a problem because it can lead to higher rates of injury. Injuries at Amazon warehouses and logistics facilities were up 64% in 2021 compared to 2020, according to the National Employment Law Project. The Warehouse Worker Protection Act aims to change that. It's sponsored by Senate Labor Chair Jessica Ramos, a Democrat from Queens.
2: We wanna make sure that we're keeping these workers safe. My uh, hometown warehouse, um, where there's about 320 employees,
6: there were 304 injuries in the past year. So what you're telling me is that if if any of my neighbors go and work at
2: that warehouse, they're almost guaranteed to get hurt. That can't be the New York that we're
0: building. And that bill has actually already passed both the Senate and the Assembly. It now goes to Governor Kathy Hochul for a decision. But turning to national news now, after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last week, New York is now expecting an influx of people seeking an abortion. That's because even with Roe now gone, abortion is still legal in New York. And now, the state also has new legal protections for people coming here for an abortion and the providers who perform them. But last week's decision has still prompted a strong reaction from New Yorkers at rallies across the state. This week, photojournalist Thomas Connolly brings us to one of them at the state capitol.
1: 36 after, we are going to collectively rage scream into the ether for everyone to hear us. We are pulling together a vigil. Starts at 8 o'clock, and this is an opportunity for folks in the community to come together and mourn the stripping away of one of our constitutional rights that. We all woke up this morning feeling like we were somewhat free. And as of this afternoon, uh, our freedoms have been stripped away.
6: Honestly, I am disgusted with how it's going in the world right now. We were protesting this over 50 years ago. Why are we doing it again? We should be supporting our sisters, our wives, you know, our mothers, our daughters. It's sad. It's sad nowadays that we have to go back and do this all over again. One thing I just have to say, make very clear, is that these people are not pro-life, they are just anti-abortion. If they were pro-life, children would not be getting slaughtered in their elementary school classrooms while police sat by and just looked pretty. I just never thought I would see this day where
5: Roe versus Wade gets overturned,
6: Uh, but yet there's still no gun regulation to stop people from killing kids.
4: They've been organized for 49 years to get rid of this. We cannot wait that long. We have to fight harder and faster and better than them at this fight right now. So I need to see black-brown faces, white faces, women's faces, men's faces, people who are gender non-conforming and non-binary faces. I need to see every single person out here, and I will be out here as an angry man with no uterus whose rights were not taken away because of the fact that I love a lot of people who were. When they say you can't
6: talk about sex ed in school and you can't talk about gay people in school and you can't talk about condoms in school you know what happens teens get pregnant and you know what happens when teens get pregnant they can't get abortions you get a lot of babies that grow up in homes that aren't prepared to have babies and you end up with these cycles these are cyclical issues how do we stop them educate yourself go to
1: So we, we're just chipping away at the sort of social fabric of how we operate together, and it's, it's really the long-term effects, I think, are really going to be damaging not only to individual people's lives, but to our democracy as a whole. I think in the 22 to 26 states that are going to see abortion fully illegal or severely curtailed, um, those Planned Parenthood affiliates are going to have to reconfigure what they do and how they do it. I think Planned Parenthoods across the country are going to become advocacy organizations, first and foremost, in states where they're going to have to start fighting back. Here in New York, we are fortunate to have a governor who's investing in the abortion infrastructure, who's helping us make sure that our health centers are safe.
3: You think about the struggle uh, to perfect our union. and The right to choose is very much a foundational pillar uh, in that. And to see unelected folks undermined after 50 years of the It's very, very dispiriting, but it's also important for us to continue to dig deep. Uh, And here in New York, we certainly will uh, stay on the front lines and protect uh, abortion, uh, and protect the right to choose, uh, and protect equality. You come to these rallies to to feed off the energy, to provide your own energy, to create a collective energy uh, to build upon, knowing that the fight, Uh,
6: What are we going to do tomorrow? Did you think about it? I'm going to be here tomorrow. Is anyone else going to be here tomorrow? Because I'm going to be here tomorrow, the next day, and up until this gets turned. Every single day, before work, after free days, this should consume all of your time because this is happening now to everyone you know. If they're going to take away our right to health care, what is next? our rights to vote, interracial marriage, gay couples, trans kids, what's going to happen to them next?
3: When you think about um, what Justice Thomas uh, stated in regards to contraception and same-sex marriage, how how far does it go? Uh, We're going to also ban uh, interracial marriage, too. Um, They got it wrong, dead wrong.
6: Our future is us, and it has to change now. Because I don't want to be the girl that's scared in the bathroom trying to find ibuprofen or a metal hanger and be scared and hurt myself because of someone else's opinion. Thank you.
0: Anti-abortion groups meanwhile cheered the Supreme Court's ruling last week, including here in New York. We'll be on the lookout for any action on that side of the issue but we do have to leave it there thanks for watching this week's new york now have a great week and be well